And here we go. That's right. You're in Red's line. And what happened tonight on the West Coast? Well, the West Coastest wasn't the mostest for the Reds, who were led by David Bell. And uh, they lost. And not like last night where I accepted the defeat of just two teams grinding it out. You lost on a walk-off, which is bound to happen. It's not that big of a deal. It's demoralizing, but not as bad when it happens on the road. Tonight was a total lackluster performance of this offense that has been swept twice in a row. Shut out multiple times the first month of the season. David Bell, you set Shebler tonight against the right-hander. You had him facing the greatest left-hander in the game besides Chris Sale last night in Clayton Kershaw. I'm proud of you for sitting Shebler because he doesn't need to play or start. But David Bell, that's my second David Bell shout-out in less than... 10 seconds. You batted Joey Votto leadoff. Now, David Bell, that's the trifecta, triple crown. You don't even need to have Joey Votto hitting second, let alone leadoff. Now, I understand why you think that analytics say that your best hitter should hit second, and I understand that. But Joey Votto doesn't have wheels, doesn't have speed. He needs to hit third. That will allow him to drive the ball and hopefully have runners on base when he comes to the plate. And still by having him hit third, he will still get to the plate just as many times as hitting second. Now, I understand the analytics behind it. I understand that the Angels hit uh, Mike Trout second. I understand that Paul Goldschmidt hit second for the Cardinals. But Paul Goldschmidt has stolen 30 bases before David Bell. So I don't want you to bat Joey Votto leadoff anymore. In fact, I'm about to revoke your lineup privileges of making the lineup, David Bell. Pete Rose said something a while back. And it was when Dusty Baker had this rotating chairs of lineups. He said, Major League Baseball players like to come to the ballpark knowing where they're hitting in the lineup. Well, David Bell, you're a major leaguer. And you got this analytics, which we'll get to your four-man outfield shift that was like Muncy and Seager were four for four against it tonight or five for five or something crazy. I don't know, David Bell. You guys at the Cincinnati Reds front office, whoever is running your analytics department, you need to give them their walking papers because I want to get in on this four-man outfield rotation or not four-man outfield rotation. You got one of them too. But this shift, let me explain something to you. If you guys need to put this on like your little iTunes pad in the uh, front office back at Great American Ballpark for the entire front office of baseball operations to hear, this is when it needs to go down. So I'll give you a second to set this up, and then I'm going to explain something to you. Okay, so a shift works like this. 
You deploy your third baseman at shortstop. You deploy your shortstop behind second. And then your second baseman plays deeper than normal, maybe a hair to the right. And then your first baseman plays as is or on the line or whatever. So anyways, that's how you do a shift. You don't put four outfielders in the outfield, okay? Now, I understand you got Jesse Winker playing center, so you think this is clever and you think you're groundbreaking, but you're not. You're actually the laughing stock of the league as far as the analytical heads go or whatever that department is called in the Reds front office, okay? Because you're just making a mockery of the game of baseball because your shift isn't groundbreaking. It's not cute. Not everybody on the Everybody in baseball is not going, man, that guy's, you know, man, that guy's the next, you know, Elon Musk or whatever. They're thinking you guys are insane. So anyways, if you need to record that or rewind and play back what I said, that's how a shift works. Because what you're doing, whoever's running that analytics department on these shifts, what you're doing is just creating more holes for the baseball that's batted to find in the infield. You should have some outfielders that can cover that ground on the shift, man. You don't need four outfielders. So the idea that the baseball gods humbled your analytical head or whoever's idea that is, man, so whatever you got to do, fire that guy because you're just you're, you're just being laughed at around the major leagues, man. So I'm just going to tell you that right now. Anyway, back to the baseball gods humbling you. Seager was 0 for 13. You helped him out of his slump, man. Max Muncie, um, now he had, he did break out last year or the year before or whatever, man, but... Max Muncy was, uh, you put, put, put the shift on him. Those guys were like four for four against this shift. So I'm not even saying it's luck, man. It's the baseball gods highlighting how incompetent you guys are. So David Bell, quit using that four-man outfield shift. It's insane. So anyway, let's get back to the game before I blow a freaking gasket. Anyways, so Mally is pitching. And I'm really proud of Mally tonight. He gave up a run in the first. He gave up three runs in the second. The Dodgers were just getting at him. And I noticed what was going on. When he was in his windup, when he would release the baseball, he was not getting full extension when he hit the front, uh, the front of the mound with his lead foot. So he was letting go of that baseball a little earlier, and he didn't have much on the ball. That's why they were knocking the ball around. The first and second inning, man. Because, uh, but back where I'm proud of him, Mally, you didn't walk a batter, man. I'm really proud of you. And you were proud in the strike zone, but you need to fix that release and you need to fix how you're landing on that, uh, on, on the front of the mound so you can get a little more on that ball and hide it a little longer. And so the ball releases a little bit later, give it a little more zip because those guys were all over it. But, you settled in, and they still were batting the ball around, Mally, because they had 11 hits on you, including that stupid shift, whoever's employing, deploying that for you. That didn't help you out at all. But I'm really proud of you, Mally. You got through six innings. I think you were at 99 pitches. You really hunkered down, and I'm proud of you, man. I want you to know that I've been watching you since, you know, you were in the minor leagues, and 
you uh, had the no-hitter or one-hitter, and then you had that perfect game in double-A. So, man, you are Greg Maddox uh, reinvented. You pound the strike zone, you know the quadrants, and you're not shakable by anything, man. So I really like it that you didn't stress out, you weren't getting emotional, you just went out there and you, uh, and, and, and I kind of fired up Mally, but I'm trying to give you compliments here, because man, you went out there, you weren't emotional, and you just bared down, and I don't even think you bared down, you were like cool as a cucumber, man. So, uh, really good props to you, Mally. Um, you didn't strike out a whole lot. I think you had two or three Ks, but the walks were what I'm really proud of you. Now, you battled, and those 11 hits were a lot, man. All you got to do is go watch the tape of this game and go back and look at your release and look how you were letting that ball go and there wasn't much on it. You'll figure it out. That lead foot, you'll figure it out about your follow-through and uh, repeat, get your delivery repeatable and you'll be fine. I watch enough pitchers to know, amateurs, minors, majors, professionals, whatever. So uh, I can't believe that no one in that Reds dugout didn't notice it, but maybe they did. But that doesn't matter because you're still getting hit all over the place. And I noticed in the uh, fifth and sixth, you still weren't getting that extension. That's the what I wanted to say this whole time. You weren't getting a lot of extension on your follow-through, on your lead foot, and you were letting it go a little bit early. That's what my opinion. I think a lot of scouts around baseball would concur. Anyway, to make a long story short, Mally, you're going to be top of my good things tonight, later on. So, oh, by the way, Mally, you know, he's tired of these shifts, probably, not really, he didn't say that, but I can only imagine he's probably annoyed. And uh, anyway, so how'd the Reds score? Well, the third inning, Mally gets a double, man, it was pretty cool. And then who's the leadoff hitter? So... Here's my real problem with David Bell and this front office, whoever's deciding to hit Votto leadoff. Now, there was an article where David Bell, it was his idea. David Bell, you can't bat Kirk Casale leadoff one day and the next day bat Joseph Daniel Votto. It's insane. Anyways, so here's the problem. The idea that after Malley got that double... Votto drives him in with another double. I think it's sixth double of the year. He leads the team with doubles. And uh, you guys would think at that point, man, we're cool because uh, we know what we're doing because uh, we hit Joey Votto leadoff, and look how it happened. He came through with an RBI. Well, let me tell you something. Joey Votto is just a good hitter. He's going to have singles and doubles and home runs, but your pitcher ain't going to get on, especially with a double, if you extrapolate the numbers of times that they get on base. So that's why Joey Votto has no business leading off, man. If I was in the meeting and I could explain this guys to you, I'd look like that guy from the office with a bunch of crap on the whiteboard trying to explain this to you. They don't even take that, though. It's actually simple and common sense. You know, at some point, analytics need to be the icing on the cake of scouting. Do you understand? So I love analytics, man. I like how war explains the value of players. That's all fine and dandy. But at some point, you've got to have good scouting, good baseball men understanding this stuff. And, uh, man, I'm just getting fired up because the offensive is lackluster. And if you think putting Joey Votto leadoff is going to ignite this team, 
you got problems with personnel, and I'm not talking about on the field. You got problems with personnel making the personnel decisions on that roster. So anyway, where'd the game break open? David Bell, I couldn't even get a David Bell out. I'm so fired up. I'm so tired. Anyway, so David Bell brings in Zach Duke. Zach Duke has an 8-plus ERA. And he gives up a couple uh, whatever hits. And then he uh, has Zach Duke uh, walk uh, Kiki Hernandez. And that guy, why, why he did have three, two or three hits. David Bell. Just having pitched to him. He's throwing junk. You're not even using Zach Duke correctly. You need to use him in blowouts, not tight games when his ERA is like that. And he probably needs to be brought in to neutralize left-handed hitters. And here's the other thing where everybody's going to say, well, Jared, you're wrong because he had him walk Kiki Hernandez to get to Alex Vertigo. Well, if you knew anything about anything, and anybody knew anything about anything, and that front office or that bench coach, you would know that Alex Vertigo hits left-handers at a 400 clip last year in the minors. Now, I know that's in the minor leagues, but he's been working really hard on hitting uh, lefties. So anyways, if you just had this information, man, number one, you wouldn't be using Zach Duke as a middle reliever. I don't understand you. He's a loogie. Go look at the innings versus the appearances on the back of his baseball card. This isn't hard. Okay, so then Alex Vertigo drives this baseball opposite field. It's so hilarious. And uh, we got a 6-1 to game. He drives in two runs with a double or whatever. And I said in Reds Nation, Alex Vertigo should be a Red. Those trades that the Reds have done, especially the Peraza one, you should have got Vertigo. You didn't need Shevler. You didn't, especially because you just had traded for Adam Duvall. You should have got Vertigo and Peraza if that was your prerogative. Actually, you should have got Jose Ramirez and Mike Clevenger and another uh, prospect for, for, for Todd Frazier. But whoever is in charge of scouting and development and uh, profiling players, you know, Jeff Grop's gone, but, uh, man, you guys just got a lot of work to do. I, I, I read in Forbes or something that you guys made $36 million last year. Maybe you should have spent some of that on some uh, good scouts, some actual good scouts. Got some people from the Rays, got some people from the Dodgers, got some people from the Atlanta Braves. You know, uh, the Florida Marlins pretty good at scouting. They just had an ownership change. You could have got somebody from them. You know, I'm I'm getting really I'm getting really tired of this, man. I'm emotionally involved with this team and uh, it just seems that like you guys think you're doing a good job and you're not. Like every other team in baseball uses prospects as currency to acquire players that are under control. What do you do, Reds management, front office? You acquire, you use prospects like Jeter Downs and Josiah Gray, and you trade them for players on the last year of their deals. Now, I understand why you did the whole Dodgers trade. I'm not complaining. But you helped the Dodgers clear up four 40-man roster holes and 25-man roster holes and took on more salary, you didn't need to trade those two guys, and especially those two guys. If you're going to sweeten the deal, putting a sweetener in there, which this is what it's called, you don't 
put in guys that you just drafted the last two years. Trade them guys that are have been in your system for four or five years that you don't see as far as a long-term fit. A la Brandon Dixon. A la Scott Shebler. Okay? To a different degree, Jose Peraza. That's how other teams do it. Okay, if you don't believe me, let's go to your Adam DeVault trade. You acquired uh, Preston Tucker for no reason. You acquired Matt Whistler. You already lost him off of uh, because he was out of options, who you should have kept. He's doing great. And you got Lucas Sims, and he's out of options after next year. So who's ever in the charge of this, uh, ne- whoever's negotiating, number one, fire them. Number two, who's ever looking at these uh, players and, uh, and, uh, and, and discussing their talent, whoever is uh, analyzing these players and scouting these players, you guys are insane. you got to fire them too. Now, Everybody listening to this is probably going, this guy's crazy, but no, I'm actually not. I'm just fired up. If I was in a professional setting and I had a normal, like, you know, suit jacket on and my full cool ostrich boots, I could explain this calmly and collectively to whoever I was in front of. But I'm fired up because I'm tired of this team, and I went back to it yesterday. Yesterday, seven out of nine starters on that Dodgers team were homegrown. Last night, there was none, and now tonight you had Joey Votto, and you had Jesse Winker, and you had Tucker Barnhart, so there was three homegrown players. But that's still three out of nine, man. So anyway, to make a long story short, oh, four because you got Molly, I'll get Mally, I'll give him that. So anyway, to make a long story short, this whole entire offensive problem come, boils down to the last 10 years of development, trades, and everything. Because uh, they brought in Joe Kelly, and Joe Kelly's having a hell of a bad time. He's the one former Cardinal I actually wanted the Reds to sign, and he got overpaid by the Dodgers, man, so I don't blame you for not signing him. Um, anyway, the Reds lose 6-1. to one. Um, Here's the other problem. Your feeble at-bats against the pitching of the Dodgers was such a joke. They were twi- – retwi- I can't even say it. They retired the last 13 hitters in a row, Cincinnati Reds. So if you're not listening to this, you need to. Because maybe I'm the only one on the planet that's watching these games that can understand how to turn this thing around and how to go forward in the right direction. You have a unique opportunity, front office, because you got a lot of players that are hitting well, that are on the last year of their deal, not hitting well, but could hit well if you get rid of this four-man outfield rotation and you'd actually deploy these players how they need to be deployed, and you could probably cash in at the uh, trade deadline. So what do I want to say right now? Where do we go from here? Well, the news reports out is that Craig Kimbrell is ready to sign a much lesser deal. He's ready to sign at three years and $39 million. And Dick Williams, it's my first shout-out to you ever, man. Get his agent on the phone. Give him the deal. Give him a fourth-year mutual option for the same amount of money. You can lock down this bullpen, man. That's the first key of winning games. And let me tell you something else. You guys got so much payroll room coming off next year, and the free agent market next year has already been decimated by the sales of the world, signing extensions, Verlander signing extensions. 
there's not much talent next year. I mean, there's talent, but there's no like top, top end talent like you should have done this year. Anyways, to make a long story short, I would advise you to sign Craig Kremble to be the closer. Use Russell Iglesias as your seventh, eighth inning guy. You will shut down the last three innings of most of these games. You can win. No, I think you can start winning way more games this way. And what I want to tell you is this will allow you to build value in Russell Iglesias, who's already valuable because of his contract. And I'm thinking you can get a pretty big Andrew Miller uh, Chapman return on Iglesias at the deadline if you choose to do that. So this is a way for you to alloc- to pivot your salary allocations and kind of plan for the future. So get Craig Kimball's agent on the phone. Get that deal inked. Probably send down Wandy Peralta. Everybody wants Zach Duke released. That's not the answer. You, lo- you, you use him as a loogie. You use him in blowouts to get him back on track, and he'll be fine. And then what I would do is I'd get rid of that four-man outfield rotation. I would play Peraza in center, Puig in right, and uh, Winker in left, Peraza in center, and I would rock out. You know, actually what I would really do right now, I would have Peraza at shortstop. <laughs> I know everybody in Res Nation number 4192 is going to be like, what happened to him? No, I'm trying to, to help you build value in players. I would probably play Winker in left, Puig in center, and Kemp in right, or Kemp in left. You know what? I'll even go your way. Play Kemp in left, Winker in center, and Puig in right. It doesn't really matter anymore. What you got to do is you got to get Kemp where he could be traded at the deadline. And I think that uh, Scott Shebler coming off the bench would be more effective against right-handed uh, heat throwers. He won't have to be there for pitch. The problem with Scott Shebler, I said this before in these game recaps, it's pitch recognition on him. If you limit the pitch recognition to relievers that are throwing two two pitches, basically slider, fastball, fastball, curveball combo, because that's why they're in the bullpen and begin with, to begin with, Shebler will be and find a little more success off the bench. You damn sure don't want to play him against Clayton Kershaw. I still can't get over that. I'm glad he sat today, but it doesn't make any sense if you... Eh, never mind, man. I gotta... It's just... Like, I don't know how you can make these bad decisions. And I'm not a Monday morning quarterback, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not the Lance McAllister of the world. I have been saying this for years. I've been saying this before the season started. So anyway, to make a longer story short, let's get to the good things. Well, Melly, you pitched valiantly. You give the Reds six innings when you were kind of giving up the baseballs the hits everywhere, man. We've already discussed it. I'm really proud of you, Mally. Uh, your line tonight was uh, 
six innings, you give up four runs, but you didn't give up anything after the second. You really calmed down. Um, you struck out three batters, and I'm really proud of you, man. You didn't walk anybody. I don't think that Malley can leave this game feeling bad. He, he, he was calm and collective, and he did his job. 99 pitches over six. You had that really bad second inning, man. I think you give up. Thir- you, you used 33 pitches, and that that's when Jock Peterson took you deep. But the only reason you're getting hit around, man, is because someone had to tell you you weren't getting extension and you weren't landing right on your front foot and you were letting that ball uh, go too soon. That's all easily fixable, Mally. You're going to be fine. What else can we say about the good things? Joey Votto. Leading the league, leading the team with six doubles, not the league, and I'm really uh, glad. I'm, you were lead, batting leadoff. David Bell probably thinks he's brilliant because you had an RBI double or whatever, and driving in Mally, but we already covered that. And uh, I'll give another shout out to Jared Hughes. You're having a tough season. You came in there in a blowed up game, six to one. You got two strikeouts, albeit one was against Joe Kelly, but that's neither here nor there. You uh, lowered your ERA down to 7.04. I believe you'll get this straightened out. So that's part of my good things. Now, where's the bad things? David Bell. You are always the league leader on red line and bad things. Quit Batting Joey Votto and Kirk Casale leadoff. Start batting Votto third. David Bell. I don't even know why I did that, David Bell. I'm just telling you, you're number one in the bad things for like the third straight day in a row. Third straight game, man. What else was bad? Oh, yeah, David Bell. (laughs) Zach Duke is not a middle reliever, man. He's got an ADRA. The game was 4-1. to one. It was still close. Why are you bringing in Zach Duke? Anyways, third bad thing. I don't even... Well, yeah, let me tell you, I already talked about this four-man shift in the outfield. I'm not going to go into it, but I already explained it. So... Where do we go from here? Well, tomorrow is an afternoon game. I think it's like 3 in the afternoon for you guys in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. 2 p.m. my time. We got Sonny Gray going. And uh, who's he pitching against tomorrow? Walker Bueller. And Walker Bueller has an ERA north of 8. He's trying to get back on track. And let me tell you what Rick Honeycutt, his pitching coach, is telling him today. He's saying, hey, man, we got the Reds here. They're on the ropes. We're about to sweep them. They just lost 6-1 to yesterday. They only got a run because of the uh, Mally hit. David Bell, blind squirrel, finds a nut. RBI double by Joey Votto, where he probably thought he was brilliant in the third inning. But by the time this game was over, you could tell that that was just a blurp by the baseball gods on the radar screen of the uh, middle third, first third of the baseball 2019 season. It showed no significance, David Bell. 
So anyway, Walker Buehler has got an 8-plus ERA. He's struggling. Rick Honeycutt is telling him, you just got to go out there and ex- execute your pitches. These guys are, swing- are first ball, fast ball, first ball swingers. Sorry, I'm trying to get this out. Very emotional over this game when I'm seeing uh, L.A. Dodgers East here, which used to be Northern St. Louis. If you understand what I'm, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, how bad this front office is. And I really hate to bury these guys, man. I'd really like to help them, but I gotta call it like it is. And if they don't, they need to get rid of some yes men and get some whoa, 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 whoa men in there because. Until the front office changes or the dichotomy or however that structure is, they're going to have some problems. And uh, I'm going to put together my top 200 or th- uh, 200 uh, amateur players for the June draft. I will probably send it in. Hopefully it gets looked at. And uh, we'll probably have a draft res line. And uh, that should be pretty interesting. I'll have a, I'll, I will have a pre-draft special Reds line, and then we'll have a draft special. I don't think it's going to be live because I'm going to have to make notes during the draft. But I'll have a draft uh, Reds line after the first day is concluded, and um, then we'll have a you know post-draft talk about the entire uh, 2019 Reds draft. Anyway, I'm getting off on a different tangent, but um, like I said, unless they change the philosophy and understand how to negotiate, and sometimes you got to walk away, man, on the negotiating table to make good moves. You've got over a decade of disaster as far as trades and drafting, so um, the proof's in the pudding. What's my predictions for tomorrow? You know it's going to be a day game. I really can't figure out why Joey Votto will be playing tomorrow. You just don't know who he's you don't know who David Bell's going to sit tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, because this is a uh noon game tomorrow for the Dodgers out there on the Pacific time zone. So, you know, it's just, I don't know how to pre- predict the game tomorrow. I'm probably not going to give any predictions. I can tell you this, Walker Buehler's having a heck of a time. He's a great pitcher, great young pitcher. I would love the Reds to have him. But all I can tell you is, is the Reds probably need to cut down on the first ball swings because they lead the majors in it. And now I'm not always saying that's a bad idea, man. Because before, the philosophy was always take the first pitch. Do you ever notice how this team doesn't have any strategy? It's always like one extreme or the other. So while before with David Price's hitting coach, who was horrible, who was that Don Long? Good God. That guy hadn't been a hitting coach since the 2008 or nine Pirates. And then the Reds hire him in 2016 or 17. There's a reason why he wasn't a Major League Baseball hitting coach. But thanks, Cam Bonifay, for 
suggested him to Walt Jockety, and that's why we got stuck with him. Yeah, Cam Bonifay, I'm looking at you. You was the worst general manager in the majors. Remember the pirates that you ran in the ground for that whole decade? Jiminy Christmas. Anyways, thanks a lot, Cam Bonifay, for Don Long. Okay, so Don Long was like, watch the first pitch, take the first pitch. So that got around the league, and then... Everybody was throwing a strike right down the middle because they knew the Reds were going to take a strike first pitch. Now, I, now I do like Turner Ward's turning around deal here because they're like, okay, smoke that first pitch. But sometimes you, sometimes the cookie cutter don't fit every player. So, for instance, a guy like Jesse Winker. And Joey Votto could take the first pitch. A guy like Peraza can take the first pitch. Because Peraza don't strike out, and he generally puts the ball in play. But a guy like Suarez, I would say give him the green light. A guy like Tucker Barnhart, I would say give him the green light. Derek Dietrich, I would say give him the green light. But just like I said, man... Every cookie cutter don't fit every player. So anyways, the league adjusts faster than the Reds can even make a decision because they're not even proactive. So anyway, I'm going to shut down this Reds line and um, I'm going to go do some analyzing of the Major League Baseball draft because it's really important to me that the Reds draft the right players. Um, I'm leaning towards Riley Green. He's a high school uh, outfielder, got a really nice swing, lots of power. Um, but there could be Bobby Witt Jr., who's a shortstop. He'll probably will move to third. <laughs> That's funny, Stenzel, India, Suarez. Bobby Witt Jr. may fall to the Reds at seven, and I really hope he does, man. He's the guy that can fall. That guy is a five-tool talent, and it, it, it doesn't matter who's sitting there. If Bobby Witt Jr. is sitting there, you got to snatch him, man. He's he's going to be a special player. Now, he may not be a 300 hitter, man, but that guy's got 40-40 potential, and I'm not even kidding. The guy's just a beast. Anyway, to make a longer story short, ladies and gentlemen, had to get some of my lines in here. We're going to shut down Red's line, and we're going to wake up tomorrow, and I'm going to watch this game, and we're going to do another Red's line recap. But right now, the Reds are 5 and 11. They got to figure this thing out, man. They got and I really hoped that they were going to get to 500 by the time they got to their 20th game. They still got a shot. Well, no they don't cuz they're 5 and 11. I'm so discombobulated that my math skills are off. But they got a chance to get in there by, you know, really close to that. So anyway, from right here in the Little Apple to Cincinnati, Ohio, I am shutting down Red's line for tonight. I really appreciate you guys listening to my rant. I hope social media gets a hold of this and we get some things going. Good night.